So Christmas is coming and as an Advent series we've asked uh, brothers and sisters from around the world to each uh, bring us a reading of a verse uh, from the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 and so we've got uh, one for every day of Advent, uh, 24 videos from 24 different nations including Jamaica, Rwanda, Cambodia, India. It's going to be uh, really great to receive season's greetings from around the world as well as read the Christmas story together from an international perspective. So uh, those will be dropping every day during Advent on the uh, Reading Family Church YouTube channel or you can subscribe through the Reading Family Church website uh, to get them into your inbox by email every day. Joy to the world and now we're just going to watch a little 90 second trailer about this uh, exciting project. It's very important to be known. God loves to know us. He knows what makes me happy or what means, makes me hurt. We wish all of you around the world a blessed, peaceful, loving, caring, sharing Christmas time. So, may God bless you and give you his peace. So God bless you. Wish you a Merry Christmas. God bless you this Christmas. Okay, so we've been reading the story of Luke together this term and we will continue as well next term from January through to Easter uh, studying Luke together and we're coming now to a turning point in Luke's telling of the story of Jesus. Until now, uh, we've been based in Galilee in the north of the country where Jesus grew up and he's been traveling around in Galilee. But now in chapter nine and verse 51, Jesus turns his face towards Jerusalem. And now we begin uh, what some would call the travel narrative from Luke nine all the way through to Luke 19. Jesus with his disciples is on this kind of windy journey that is ultimately gonna end up in Jerusalem and until now Luke has told a lot of stories that have been similar to Mark it's almost like because Mark was the first gospel that was written it feels like Luke's been using that as a bit of source material following it a little bit but now uh, we're really going to see some of the stuff that's original to Luke some of the stories uh, about Jesus and the, the teaching that Jesus gave that Luke has found out from his own research from traveling around and interviewing people and talking to the eyewitnesses and so we're coming into a really exciting bit in the middle of Luke from nine uh, to chapter 19 and um, uh, now Jag is going to read today's scripture reading so go for it Jag my brother 9 uh, 51 to 62 from St Luke. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them, even as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. 
For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. The cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the bury, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I wonder when we look back at 2020, which has been such a difficult year for so many of us for so many reasons. I wonder if we will look back and have a sense of what God was doing have a sense of uh, the presence of God when we look back and think about this year. You see, life is lived forwards, but it's understood backwards. We don't know where we're going, but we can stop and reflect on where we've been. And more importantly, we don't know where God is going, but we can reflect on where God has been. And um, the first thing that strikes us in this passage today from Luke chapter 9 is the word face. In fact, in the first three verses that Jag read for us, we see the word face three times. Uh, He set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messages ahead of him. Actually, it says ahead of his face, uh, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And so here we're we're talking about the face of Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, we see the face of God. You know, in the Old Testament, no one was allowed to see the face of God. Uh, It's hard to know someone, actually, without seeing them. You know, just by listening to what they say, it's harder to get a feel for who they are and what they want. Uh, But in the Old Testament, no one was able to know God by seeing his face, by looking into his eyes and understanding. And yet you've got this famous scene in Exodus chapter 33. And some of you will know the story where Moses, the great prophet, he says to God, God, show me your glory. And God says to him, you cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. But God says to Moses, but I'll hide you in a cave and cover you with my hand and I'll pass by. And after I've passed by, then I'll take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And ancient commentators, ancient wise uh, people understood from this passage that God's presence can only be seen when we look at where he's been. You can't see where God is going, see his face. But you can see his back. You can see evidence of the presence of God. And so you can't predict where God is going, but you can discern where he has been. And Jonathan Sachs, the the chief rabbi in England, uh, who is a great guy, sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. uh, He said this, we live our lives toward the future, but we understand our lives only in retrospect. 
Only looking back can we see whether we took the right road, whether a certain decision was justified, whether our dreams were intimations or illusions. Life involves risk, which is why we need faith. But when Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, God is setting his face towards Jerusalem. The disciples probably didn't understand it at the time. But in retrospect, when Luke is interviewing them, they're saying, actually, the whole purpose of Jesus coming to the world was so that he could die in Jerusalem. That was the whole goal of his being born, of his miraculous birth. You know, the miracles that he did, the teachings that he gave, all the wonderful things we've heard over the last few weeks as we've studied Luke. None of those actually have the the power to change our lives 2,000 years later. But Jesus' death on the cross in Jerusalem, that changes everything. That's the center. The whole point of his life was his death. The most important thing about Jesus was the manner of his death and then the glory of his resurrection. Because in that way, he was taking on himself the sins of the world. And so Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem was the the center of history. It's the road that leads to the cross. And um, when we look at Jesus, we see the face of God. We see God in a body with a face. It's amazing. You know, the Alpha Course doesn't start with... Uh, is there a God? Actually, Alpha Course Week 1 starts with who is Jesus? Because we get to know who God is by seeing what he's like in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God with a face. And I think it'd be good, actually, to just reflect on this year. It's been so tough. Sickness, redundancies. We've lost some dear brothers and sisters. Loneliness. This kind of claustrophobia of the soul. But if you look carefully, you will perceive the presence of God in the darkness. And I'd encourage you, create some time as we come into the Christmas season to to look back, to reflect, and to say, God, what have you been doing in my life? What have you been showing me? You can't see his face, but you can see his back. The next thing we see in this story as we continue to read our verses for today is we're going to see two naughty disciples. And um, we're going to see a second way in which the new thing that Jesus came to introduce is so different than and superior to what was known about God in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the people of God were a specific ethnic group and they had wars against other ethnic groups in the name of God. So there are restrictions and boundaries and limits and battles and enemies. You've got David and Goliath. You've got Samson and the Philistines. You've got the Battle of Jericho. But now... When Jesus has come to show us who God is, all of those divisions, all of those ethnic boundaries, all of those enemies and hatred and battles, all of that is gone. None of that is an option now for people in Jesus Christ. So the disciples come into a Samaritan village to, to, to get someone to invite Jesus to stay the night, to look for hospitality. But the Samaritans won't offer them hospitality. The Samaritans and these uh, northern Jews have always hated each other really and because Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem the Samaritans won't receive him and so James and John whose nickname these brothers was the sons of thunder Um, they say Lord like I could just imagine the innocent question Lord uh, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them is that what we should be doing now in the old testament that might have been appropriate 
But it's not okay for followers of Jesus. And Jesus rebukes James and John. What does this little episode teach us? <coughs> well, it teaches us that we don't take revenge. If someone wrongs us or insults Jesus, we overlook, we forgive, we move on to another village. We don't take revenge. We don't call down fire from heaven on them. Secondly, it teaches us that prejudice takes a long time to unpick. So all the way through Luke and Acts, uh, Luke wrote both of these books. It's part one and part two. Samaritans keep popping up and it's a big issue that is trying to be unpicked in the hearts of the disciples. Here they say, shall we call down fire from heaven on these villages? In chapter 10, Jesus is going to teach the parable of the Good Samaritan. In chapter 17, Jesus tells a story about 10 lepers who get healed, but only one comes back to say thank you. And that's a, a Samaritan leper. And then we come into the book of Acts and Jesus says, you're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. So he says, I want you to bring the gospel even to Samaritans. But it takes a long time. And finally, in Acts chapter eight, Philip goes to Samaria, preaches the gospel and we see fire falling from heaven on them. But not the fire of judgment, but actually the fire of the Holy Spirit falling on these people and so it takes half of the book of Luke and half of the book of Acts for the disciples to unpick their prejudice and finally bring the love of God across this ethnic boundary line to these people that they normally wouldn't have got on with and so we can't just assume that because we're following Jesus suddenly we're delivered of all our prejudice it takes time to unpick we can't just assume in 2020 that because we've had some conversations this year some really meaningful powerful personal conversations this year in the wake of the death of George Floyd, we can't just assume that suddenly all our deep-seated prejudices are resolved. These things take time to unpick. And so we see that um, it takes time to unpick prejudice. We see that we're called to forgive. And we also see that Jesus came for all people, even the ones you wouldn't normally choose to hang out with. He's making a new family and it's amazing. And it's people from all kinds of backgrounds. And it's this beautiful diverse body of Christ and we get to be part of that here in Reading at Reading Family Church which is why we call ourselves that because we're a family of people brothers and sisters from different places it's such a privilege and then thirdly so we've seen one face of God we've seen two naughty disciples and now we're going to see three uncommitted followers we've seen that the road of Jesus leads to the cross We've seen that we're going to have to wrestle with difficult internal issues like prejudice and forgiveness and Jesus doing things that are contrary to our expectations. But now we're going to see three challenging statements from Jesus to three different people. So firstly, in verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Here I am, Jesus. I'm coming. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is homeless. In Nazareth was his home, but in Nazareth they tried to kill him. They've thrown him out. He can't go home. From now until he's killed in Jerusalem, he will have no home, nowhere to lay his head. Yes, this is a normal experience for millions of Christians on the planet, that they choose to follow Jesus and as a result they lose their home. And yes... This is probably not going to be our experience here in Reading. For most of us, choosing to follow Jesus will not render us homeless. We won't lose our home. So what does it mean for us? Well, let's look at the second one. 
the second interaction that Jesus has here. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This feels like a really difficult saying of Jesus. It's one of the harder things that he says. Culturally, to bury one's dead father was a, one of the highest religious duties of the utmost importance. Priests were not normally allowed to touch a dead body because it would defile them, but they could bury a dead relative. To leave it undone, not to bury your father, was a scandalous thing, a gross disrespect to your family. It was unthinkable, uh, unforgivable. If, if you didn't bury your father, this man would never be able to go back home to his village, never be able to go back home to his family. He would have burned his bridges forever. So why does Jesus want him to do that? Well, let's look at number three, the third one. We read verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. We keep having this phrase, follow. And again, I'll, I'll come after the back of Jesus as he goes forwards. I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, uh, the primitive plow that they had in those times uh, I think what we understand is that you'd have the plow in your left hand and you'd be pulling it through the soil and with your right hand you'd be driving your oxen forward. Now oxen get distracted really easily so your ox keeps wanting to want oh that looks interesting I'm going to wander off over there and you've got to kind of pull your oxen back and so with one hand you're driving your oxen to try and get him to go in a straight line and with your left hand you're trying to plow your furrow behind you and if you look back then your oxen's going to wander off somewhere and you're going to end up with a, with a wonky line that you're plowing. And so you have to not look back. You have to keep going forwards. And so home and family ties and previous preoccupations have a very strong gravity. There's a tendency in all of us uh, to look back like Lot's wife in the story where she looks back and she gets frozen as a pillar of salt. Remember that? And the, tent, the, the gravity is so strong to look back but as oasis said don't look back in anger but don't look back at all so why these three little stories well remember god said to moses no one can see my face and live actually that's true the face of jesus is beautiful and it's life to us but it's death to our old life and whichever way round you take it whether you need to die to your old life to see the face of jesus or whether seeing the face of Jesus is so beautiful and so full of grace that we're prepared to leave everything behind. Seeing the face of Jesus is death to everything that you knew before. St. Augustine said it like this. You see, we're not meant to live in this life in order to see that face. We're meant to die to the world in order to live forever in God. Then we won't sin, not only by deed, but even by desire, when we see that face which beats and surpasses all desires. Because it is so lovely, my brothers and sisters, so beautiful, that once you've seen it, nothing else can give you pleasure. And so what Augustine is saying is, the face of Jesus, the face of God in Jesus Christ is such a treasure that to follow him, we're prepared to die to everything else.
to leave our old lives behind. Like the refugees that you see on the news in those little rubber boats who they're leaving everything behind and they're looking forward to a new life and they're prepared to take the risk to, come, to, to try and find a new life, a new hope. And so, yes, we're homeless because we no longer have a real home here. Our home is in heaven. We're following Jesus towards our real, permanent, eternal home. Yes, we leave the dead to bury their own dead because your old life was all dead people, spiritually dead, far from God. That was your community. You've left the community of dead to follow the community of the living now. And hand to the plough is a great picture of following after Jesus. Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to drag my plough and I'm not going to look back. And so we live for the future, not for the past. We're moving away from death and towards life. We're, we're moving away from the gravity of our own life and it can pull us and it can try and turn our head and distract us. But we're following Jesus and we're looking at his face because his face brothers and sisters is beautiful it's beautiful we love his presence we love the time that we spend with him we love getting to know him we love getting to know him in the community of other people in the church and seeing his work in their lives seeing his face in their faces this represents a clean break with the past nothing's more important than Jesus it wasn't hypothetical for these disciples uh, for those that were following Jesus, James and John and Matthew, they, they had left their homes and their families and they couldn't go back. They burned their bridges. They've left their security and their identity and now they're following him and they will do for the rest of their lives. And they've seen the face of God. They saw it earlier in chapter 9. Scott told us last week they saw his face shining on the mountain. They saw God in Christ and it's done something in them and they can never look back now. So we follow Jesus, even if it means giving up some personal freedom or rights. Um, There was a lady on the news this week um, as part of lockdown. She refused to close her salon. I don't know if you saw this. And she she quoted from the Magna Carta. So the, the Magna Carta, the kind of bill of liberty that was written in 1215. She quotes from Clause 61 on there in defense of her own liberty to open her shop if she wants to. And she, she's been fined repeatedly and she, her shop is still open. She's been fined £27,000 so far. She's refusing to give up her liberty. And um, as followers of Jesus, we have given up our liberty. We've given up our rights and our freedom. We, we've left those things behind and we've chosen now to follow him. So you like going out and drinking too much too often, but you can't do that as a follower of Jesus. You like sleeping with your girlfriend, but you can't do that as a follower of Jesus. You like holding a grudge and ruminating when someone hurts you and refusing to forgive, but you can't do that as a follower of Jesus. You like watching internet porn, but you can't do that as a follower of Jesus. You like pulling up your drawbridge and keeping yourself to yourself No hospitality, no sharing, no community. But you can't do that as a follower of Jesus. So if following Jesus isn't costing you some freedoms, then you're not doing it properly. It's a great privilege, great grace to be called to follow him, to see his face, to have this relationship with God that that symbolizes, to to look into his eyes by faith. It's a great privilege to follow him and be part of his community. 
but there's a cost to it. We've got to leave some stuff behind and maybe today you're wrestling with that. Your head keeps turning back to some old stuff. You, you, that gravity is pulling you back. I want to encourage you today. The way to break free is not to find more willpower or more self-discipline. It's to look at the beautiful face of Jesus and just go, I want that. I want you more than gold or silver. Only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. Jesus, I want you. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a Christian uh, in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. And he was choosing uh, to the difficult route of following Jesus and resisting uh, Hitler and the Nazi party. And he knew what it was to... uh, to, to, to have a difficult path to walk. He said this, such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for calling us to follow you. Even now, Lord, you're calling some here to follow you. God, give us the courage, the sense of adventure and the faith to follow after you, seeing your back and to trust you with our lives. Give us the courage to cut ties to that old community of death and to find ourselves in this new family. I pray today, give faith, give courage, and give joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.